Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's the Naked Gaming Podcast and we're back for 2021. Whoop, whoop. Uh, although it's quite far through January, so can you really still say Happy New Year? Yeah. Or you think it's okay? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Merry it- Christmas. No, no. <laughs> it's your life. <laughs> um, 2020 and 2021, I keep writing the wrong numbers down when I you know. have to write the date. I, I also write 20201. You did that the other day. Oh, so it really it's hurting my brain. It's okay, darling. It's Thank all right. You. Thanks for your Take sympathy. Take a nap. <laughs> what right now? <laughs> We're recording the pod. Not yet. Not yet. Um, I've also developed a really annoying habit of saying pod instead of podcast. So if I ever say that again, do you not like it? Can you listen okay. to the pod. Hang on. <laughs> that was me slapping myself, but I knocked my headphones off. That's how much I don't like it. You okay, hun? <laughs> Stop saying pod. It annoys me. Although our oh Twitter is God. Naked Gaming Pod, so oh my God, maybe. That's hilarious. did you enjoy that? The other thing I just need to update you on is that there is still no PlayStation Five stock what? available. What? I know I ordered one off the uh, Amazon's for a hundred pounds. Well, it's, what's the update? It said it had shipped and it was uh, arrived, and it was a tracked delivery. Oh, no, right. Nothing arrived, obviously. Oh, okay. It turns out that the hundred pound PlayStation Five was in fact a scam. No way! <laughs> yeah, yeah really? really. It really was a scam. So I said to Amazon. Please can I have my money back. And, yeah. and normally it takes five days to yeah. get your refund. You'd know. Yeah, I do know. Within, I would say, 10 minutes, the money was back in my bank. So they obviously knew. Moving on. Uh, we, did, <laughs> we did two episodes last month. We did an Xbox Series X special. Mm-hmm. We will do a PlayStation 5 special when we ever get one. Uh, we also did a, a Christmas special as well. Check it out. Making a movie that looks like a game is unacceptable. And that's why Hollywood hasn't adopted this technology up until this point. Because it looked like a video game. But now, it just looks like life. You can get them both now. There's a video version of our organised Christmas fun available. It's on YouTube. Just look for The Naked Scientists. Yes, please subscribe. We're at Naked Gaming Pod on Twitter. Pod. Uh, we're also on Instagram oh, yeah. as well. Check you out on Instagram. Check me out. This month, we're in another lockdown. <gasps> Everyone's saying this is the second lockdown. It's the third It's the third, one. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Th- yeah. Third one. Um, so anyway, it's the second wave. Oh, but the third lockdown. The third lockdown. Oh, I understand. Mm. Um, we're going to find out how you can learn if you're stuck indoors and you've got kids, let's say, using your Xbox and PlayStation and Nintendo Switch, especially if you've got two kids and you haven't got enough laptops to go around. On the PlayStation, look for an app with the letters WWW, and that should take you through to an internet browser. On the Xbox, under your apps, you should see one that has a whitey on a blue background. Now, we've just ordered... A chess set. Another one off of that website. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're how, getting all my money. How good are you at chess? I, are you fairly good? I think I'm okay at chess. Yeah. Okay. Have you played? Do you know the moves? Like the, the how the pieces. I don't know move? the moves. Oh, so no, and I don't and I don't know the place <laughs> names. They're just squares. Oh, you no, mean a five? Exactly. And, I don't oh, know no. that. Okay. It's just move it diagonally. Yeah. Up, down, across. What about the horses? What do they do? Are they the knights? Yeah. 
But you yeah. see, you do know. You see. You're so pleased with yourself. Uh, well, we've ordered one because we spent most of our life watching The Queen's Gambit. Really good, wasn't it? Amazing, amazing series on Netflix. Yeah. But how good is chess artificial intelligence now? Well, we'll be hearing from a woman international master later on in the podcast. This was built by DeepMind um, and it was called Alpha Zero because it had zero human knowledge in it. So the traditional engines might have been told the value of a queen is such and such and a double pawn is worth such and such and being near the king is such and such. We also review uh, Hitman 3 as well, the big release of the month. And after going viral a few weeks ago, do you remember this? Alex Rhodes, our reporter, uh, is back and he's becoming a pet whisperer. You're sort of uh, playing as a very um, destructive puppy, shall we say. But then again, if you've ever had a dog, especially a husky, you'll know that's not too far off. Remember, you can subscribe at Naked Gaming Pods. We're also on Instagram as well. Are we on Facebook? Uh, yeah, the Naked Scientists, and we put up links to every episode. We're mainly there as on well. Twitter, though. We tweet yeah. a lot on in, in Insta. And you can Insta. see a picture of our new setup with all the, the boiling hot lights. Oh, that we're... fancy pants! It's we're hot, just though. slowly melting away. <laughs> Let's start off with some gaming news. I, I had never asked you this, by the way. I've just given it to you every month. Do you do you want to do it this month, or do you want to like a break? Because you've been I have wor- a break. Well, because you've been working every day I this know. week, whereas I've been sitting in my. I pants. do everything. I cook. I clean. No, you don't I cook. clean Bailey's look, you poop. Al- you always I say, also read no. the gaming news. No, you say I cook, and then that's immediately a lie, isn't it? What was the last thing you cooked? You can read the gaming news. Can you do an introduction for me then? Oh right, sorry. <laughs> no, do a really lackluster introduction to the news. Okay, here's Chris with the news. I think you've got less in you than that. <laughs> I think you've got. I think you can give it less. Here's Chris with the news. Ghost of Tsushima was one of the biggest releases of last year, and fans of the game have been raising money because back in September, one of the Tori gates at the Watatsumi Shrine, which is on the actual island of Tsushima, was badly damaged during a typhoon. Thanks to fans of the game, though, they raised nearly £200,000 to restore the gate. That's five times more money than they needed. He is coming. Now, KFC have announced a console that will play next-generation games and warm chicken. Lots of us thought the so-called KF console was fake when it was first announced, but apparently it is real, and it's being made by a company called Cooler Master. Here's hoping that they re-release the classic PlayStation 1 game, Chicken Run. Nintendo have announced a new Mario-themed edition of the Nintendo Switch, which looks nice. The problem is that it's basically just red and blue, so it could easily be Spider-Man-themed or Sonic-themed. It's out in February, though, if you have spare money. And a man's been fined for breaking lockdown rules after travelling 14 miles to play Pokemon Go. Yes, really. He drove from Bedworth to look for Pokemon in Kenilworth, both places are in Warwickshire, and he was fined £200 by police for contravening the requirements to not leave or be outside the place you live without a reasonable excuse. Sometimes you don't have to catch them all. Thanks, Chris. Thank you wasn't very much. It wasn't too bad. It was all right. I give it a a five out of ten. You make it look quite easy, though. I know. Uh, I only do it for a living. You can do it next time. (laughs) Stop kidding around, Snake. Snake! So, we Mm. wanted to uh, have a little look ahead 
the new releases coming out later this year because really there isn't that much. January's a bad January's a bad month it's for bad. games. But here's just a few games to look out for in the next six months for the first half of the year. Do you want to start off? Yeah, why not? In January, Hitman 3 is coming out where shockingly you're a hitman. Really? Do you know my phone autocorrects the title of Hitman to Hotman, by oh, the way? Oh, that's a much better name for it. Or Hotman 3. Yeah. Hotman 3. We're reviewing that later in this episode on February the 11th. It's your favourite Little Nightmares. It's coming yeah. out as a scary platformer and there's a demo available now if you just can't wait. And one of your most uh, anticipated remakes of the year, it's Prince of Persia, The Sands of Time, set for release on the 18th of March. I personally can't wait for Pokemon Snap. I don't know if you ever played this, but it was like a Nintendo 64 game. Now it's coming back as a Switch exclusive and you take pictures of Pokemon and you're sort of on like a cart and you're going through the jungle and then there'll be like a ratata there and a, oh, wow. and a, a Pikachu. Honestly, that's one to watch out for. We've just had the release date announced April the 30th. There's a cool first-person shooter coming called Death Loop on the 21st of May, which is a PS5 exclusive. Yeah, if you can get a PS5. If you can get one. Before mm-hmm. then. Just one final one to mention. On the 22nd of June, back Four Blood uh, is coming out, which is four-player co-op zombie-killing fun, which is basically the sequel of uh, Left 4 Dead 2. We want to hear from you guys. We want to hear what you're playing, what you can't wait for. I mean, for me, it's got to be Little Nightmares. Mm, Two. Two. Dos. Yourself? Uh, It's going to be Back for Blood. Okay. My number one most excited for game. So let us know. You can tweet at Naked Gaming Pod or you can, of course, find us on Instagram. Peels here. This is the Naked Gaming Pod with Chris Barrow and Lee Milner. Now, um, there's not really, you know, much going on at the moment. In January, it's very light on the ground. Not many new releases apart from Hitman 3. Hotman 3. Hotman 3. I like it. That's me. Hello. Uh, And luckily, we got a copy today. As you take on the role of Agent 47, his deadly abilities, tools, and instincts are at your fingertips. You get to travel the world and kill interesting people. And with complete freedom of approach, making the how, the when, and the where all up to you. So in uh, Hotman 3, you're a bold killer... (laughs) Uh, who goes around with your looks? Yeah, no. He, he, he assassinates them with Death his stare. eyes. <laughs> I'm looking Blue at steel. you. Uh, so he's called Agent Forty Seven. If you've not played the series before, uh, he's got a barcode on the back of his head. I think you know you scan your barcodes for mm. your your app that you do with the food. Like, mm. oh, is that a good food or a bad food? But what happens if you scan Agent Forty Seven's head? Well, he's a hot man, you see. So you basically <laughs> scan people's heads to see like how reliable oh, the, the, they are, how loyal they are, oh. how, are they a good kisser. You get it on the barcode. That's a, That's much a better, great game. It's a much better game uh, than perhaps the concept of this one. patent, that one. <laughs> it's quite a basic concept. If you've played the other games, it's very similar. So you're walking around buildings. There's six maps available in this game. Uh, you're this bold assassin and you go around trying to hit targets can i just say he's a bold assassin but he's also a really smartly dressed one his, his suit must come from hugo boss yeah or something. it's, it's, it's really, really looks, swanky suit. Looks he's got some serious threads <laughs> oh my goodness me so it's the same as the first two games but the graphics are a lot better you saw some of the graphics actually. beautiful they look really so really nice. nice we're playing it on the series x at the moment um 
six new maps. It's the end of the trilogy, so mm-hmm. there's the three games there. Uh, there's a bit of uh, controversy about whether you could play the previous two games' worth of missions in this game. They originally said, yes, it's fine, it will be available if you've bought the games with us before. So if you pay a bit extra, if you've never bought the originals, you can play all of the backstory. Ah, so there's loads of stuff good. there. You get and quite a lot for your money then. You do, although your money, you have to pay quite a lot for it as well because you get £50 for Hitman 3 and mm-hmm. then it's another 25 quid for the back oh, missions right, okay. as well. I so see. quite. So you're looking at 75 yeah. quid to play all the missions on the trilogy. For three games worth, that's not bad. The only thing I would say, at this stage, with a game that is number three of a series... You know what you're going to do. You're going to kill bad guys in an unusual way. You can drag their bodies away, hide them, change into their clothes and sneak around, stuff like that. Um, The animations, though, when you, let's say you hit someone with a hammer, Mm -hmm. they're a little bit jerky. When you're opening a door, he sort of slightly teleports to the position where he then swipes the key card. Mm -hmm. And I think at this point, after all this time, that really should be fixed. But it's a lot of fun. There's no other games out at the moment. I'll give it a solid seven. Uh, If you're a fan of the series, you've got to go get it. Uh, It's available now on all platforms for 50 quid plus 25-ish if you want to play the first two. Now, we wanted to look at something that's uh, taking lockdown by storm, and that's chess. Because we've bought our our own. The set hasn't arrived yet. No. Because there's such demand that it takes two weeks to actually arrive. It's amazing just how much influence a series on on Netflix can have. This is, of course, uh, we're talking about The Queen's Gambit. Uh, You can play chess online, of course, on your phone as well, or face-to-face with someone who's in your bubble. At the moment. At the moment. Hopefully it will uh, get uh, more uh, open than that. But I've never been able to beat the computer at chess. How are you at beating... I mean, I couldn't beat my nan, so I mean, I had no chance (laughs) against a computer. So she's good. She's pretty good. Yeah, she's good, yeah. There's lots of developments in chess as well. Recently, it's impossible to beat the top level algorithms. And there's one at the moment called Alpha Zero. Um, that's one of the most recent ones that's hugely powerful. Well, you've been speaking to uh, Natasha Regan, who's a woman international master at chess. Uh, She's represented England and co-authored a book called Game Changer, which tells the story of an algorithm that can learn to play chess to an incredible level. So it's very interesting. So this was built by DeepMind um, and it was called Alpha Zero because it had zero human knowledge in it. So the traditional engines might have been told the value of a queen is such and such, and a doubled pawn is worth such and such, and being near the king is such and such. Alpha Zero was different. It was uh, sort of self-taught. So it it did know the rules of chess. Um, What it did was then play um, 44 million games at lightning fast speed against itself. And... Uh, starting completely random. So at first, it, most of the games would end in a draw because it didn't really know anything about chess and, and couldn't really make any progress. But by chance, some games would be decisive. And then what it would do is then look at the kind of moves it had played where it had won and try and play a little bit more like that, look at the moves where it had lost because it was playing against itself mm-hmm. um, and try and play a little bit less than that. Um, and so then it would kind of, play more and more, and then build up a picture of what patterns were good for it um, and and how to become stronger and stronger. And it, it was phenomenally successful. Does it spoil any of the games to have a computer that's almost unbeatable? Because I saw a quote from one, I think it's a Danish chess grandmaster, who said, it's like playing against a, an alien. You know, it, it's just so good uh, that you almost can't beat it as a human. But does that does yeah. that ruin chess or does that become the aspiration for human players? 
it's kind of it's kind of there's 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 lots of things to that question and it's it's kind of brought new possibilities that we didn't know about on the chessboard i mean actually in chess for a little while computers have been stronger than humans so there was um famous match of kasparov against deep blue it was a a two series match and kasparov won the first and then deep blue won the second so and and then after that computers have got a lot stronger um, so, so, it, so, so, kind of people are, are used to using computers as a tool to help them play chess, as opposed to trying to to beat them anymore just because they're so strong. Um, it does. It does. Uh, actually, in our online world now, it is it's quite nice having the computers um, in terms of spectating chess, because um, you've got a lot of chess going on online at the moment, and what you can do um, watching a big tournament is if you want to see whether Carlson's winning his game, um, you can have a look kind of at the computer evaluation and uh, and see what the moves are. Or you can turn the computer off because you can just turn it off um, and just see what you think yourself on um, on that. So it's, it's quite nice for spectators to be able to kind of instantly follow a lot of games at once um, and look at what's interesting going on um, in those games. Obviously, we're locked down and people are playing chess, I think, a lot more. Um, How would you hope that that would kind of just help to cope with this time? Because, you know, it's something that we're looking really looking forward to just playing a board game. No, it's definitely it's it's lovely to be able to have this sort of extra thing you're doing and you could do it, you know, every day, set a time each day and, and play a bit and try and watch your watch your strength improve. Um, really, really nice. And and what we've also found, we we um, because of course you can't play over the board anymore, and everybody's missing that. Yeah. Um, what we had recently was the online British Chess Championship. So we still managed to have a championship. Um, it was sponsored by Kaplan. They 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 kind of made that all happen. And I was one of the commentators um, for that event. Um, and and what was really nice was that actually. Uh, there was like women's event, junior event, and actually in the women's event and, and yeah. following the Queen's Gambit maybe, but we found a lot of players who hadn't played for a number of years came back because it was online and convenient. Also, a lot of junior players played. And so we got actually a really very vibrant women's championship there um, with new players and old players mixing, all the age groups mixing. Um, and 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 one young girl she, she uh, called Nina Perch, she did brilliantly she came second in the whole event and so it was it was sort of um allowed um sort of new talent to shine um in a way you you actually might not have seen that um with with over the board chess so it does give some new opportunities as well to people um and and anyone as well could could join in that event and there were qualifiers so you had a chance of playing against some of the really top players as well it's really interesting that actually because it's an online environment and i my understanding is that you know when we're talking 50s 60s 70s that women weren't really as welcomed in the game as perhaps yeah. you know nowadays and i wonder if maybe that's something that you might have come up against in in your career even so um yeah i mean i mean even though it's is welcoming for women, it's still very much the minority of of players, and and hopefully the Queen's Gambit will change that as well and make it a little bit more accessible. And I think online can also make it accessible for women who might be very busy with lots of things at once, and 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 then actually can can play, but um, only at certain times or only you know a certain number <laughs> certain number of times a week or, or whatever yeah. um so so i think that that's nice um and it's sort of encouraging for women players and and i think there's a lot of 
um, movement amongst male players as well to be more encouraging to to female players and that it does matter that there is participation there and and that it's a a sort of welcoming environment and not just male female but for, for any yeah. any groups of people yeah Thanks to Natasha Regan, a woman international master and co-author of Game Changer. And there's a longer version of that chat coming in the next week or so, so keep your eye out for that. It makes me want to play chess even more. I know. Come on! I want our board to arrive. (sighs) And uh, thanks to Natasha for the tips as well as to how to improve if you're a beginner. Uh, Chess is available now. Hang on a minute! (laughs) Has she been giving you tips? Yes. I'm never going to beat you! Uh, you better get reading. You better. You better get her book. As the COVID-19 pandemic unfortunately continues, uh, lots of schools and universities have been closed, or at least there's a lot of remote learning going on. And we spoke to one of our friends about this, didn't we? That's right, Dr. Chris Hedlund, uh, who's director of the School of Computer Science at the University of Lincoln, which I know very well. Great university. Um, (laughs) You might remember him because he's been on the podcast before, talking about the virtual uh, version of the university last year. Well, he's back to talk through how to help kids access learning materials through your game console. If you don't have a laptop to spare, you have two kids and only one computer, you will be pleased to hear that you can access learning materials through a console, and it's going to be a lot easier than you might think. First, you need to connect your console to the internet. This can either be done by plugging it directly into the router with an Ethernet cable, or by connecting through Wi-Fi. You've probably already done this, as this is how the internet is how we get most of our games these days. Once you've connected, you need to head to the browser on the console so you can access learning materials that you need. On the PlayStation, look for an app with the letters WWW, and that should take you through to an internet browser. On the Xbox, under your apps, you should see one that has a white E on a blue background. Now, this is the Microsoft Edge browser that you might be familiar with from your Windows PC. On the Nintendo Switch, there's also a web browser in there, but it's a little bit more complicated to access and set up. But there's loads of really easy-to-follow guides on the internet, and I recommend you go out and have a look at those if that's the console that you're working with. Now, if you don't want to use your console's controller, because, let's be honest... They are fantastic for playing games, but they're useless for almost every other activity, including typing. You should be able to connect a keyboard and mouse to the USB ports on the front of the back of the console, and they should be immediately picked up. So now you're ready to go, and you can use your Xbox, PlayStation, Switch as a way of accessing education materials from your school. Now remember, there are also loads of free, great learning materials available online, such as BBC Bite Size, and some universities are also producing content for school children. At Lincoln, we have free resources all over our website, our YouTube page. Um, you might just need to contact your, your local university and ask them what they've got available. Now, while you're setting all this up, consider installing some educational games. There are loads of really great options out there for every age group, and these can really augment your child's learning during homeschooling. Thanks, uh, Dr. Chris Hedlund. And we're planning an education special, actually, aren't mm, we, on the podcast yeah. uh, in the next few weeks or so. So make sure you look out for that. This is... The Naked Gaming Podcast. With me, Le- Le- I'm not finished sorry, sorry, yet. Don't interrupt sorry, me when sorry. I'm in the zone. Okay, okay. Sorry about With that. me, Lee Milner, and. Am I allowed to? Should I shove it now? Chris Berry. Hello. Oh, it's uh, like a letdown sometimes, aren't we? Thanks, wife. Uh, <laughs> let's go straight to Retro Revival now for a classic game that's just been re released on Xbox, actually, called Grim Fandango. Everybody here is just as dead as you. That's why we call it the land of the dead. Manny, what are you doing here? I wanted to see how your trip was going, Angel. I am your travel agent, you know. 
So this is from Double Fine Games. They make uh, quirky games like Brutal Legend, starring Jack Black as a kind of Love rock Jack god. Black. Perfect role for him. Also, they have a game called Psychonauts that you might have played. They, mm-hmm, they have some mm-hmm, of the mm-hmm. original and mo- most amazing games for PlayStation 1, stuff like that. This one was first released in 1998, and it was the first adventure game to use 3D computer graphics for this particular company Ah. and they put it over kind of still backgrounds it's been remastered for the Xbox and so in Grim Fandango you are the Grim Reaper okay it's a fun story in a sense it's very funny Uh, it's a bit like Monkey Island where you you sort of point and click your way around and you arrive at a crazy character quite an old that's quite an old game yeah yeah it's exactly like in that style so think exactly like Monkey Island and and that humour so you go up to the receptionist, she goes, what do you want from me? I'm busy. I'm trying to make myself a sandwich. Like that kind of... Where did that come from? Do you think that's a good... That was a great accent. She sounds pretty much like wow. that. Wow. She goes, oh, the boss tells me, just go okay, away. Okay, it's going downhill okay, now. Thanks very much. Um, I actually played this on my phone. Okay. Because they've also released it on mobile. How did you find that? Because I don't mm. really get on with playing things on my phone. The, always the problem with the phone games is that the controls are very fiddly. Yeah. And, and you've got huge fingers. I really do. Fat fingers. We're talking about someone who injured their thumb later. Can you imagine if I injured my thumb? Mm. Goodness me. Um, but it, it's... The humour and the art style and everything wins, mm. but the controls are a bit of a fiddle. Okay. So... It, you, do you think any game works on the phone? I think there's games like uh, The Room, where you swipe and open a box, like a Chinese puzzle box, essentially, that are perfectly designed for the phone. It's almost Ooh. like they have touch you know, at their very core. Anyway, this one is one that you kind of need to play with a controller, so I would say okay. get, get the remaster on Xbox. Um, so much fun, though. Although, like, like in Monkey Island, if you get uh, lost or you go down the wrong path, you can find yourself wasting an hour having absolutely no idea what oh, to do. Oh, that's a little bit like Ori. Yeah. I get a little bit frustrated. You love Ori. I love you don't Ori, know where you're but going. I sometimes have to just say, Chris! <laughs> So Chris, I, I'm stuck again. I've heard that before. And then, and then you have to fix it, and then I can continue. Yeah. Well, this is so. I went in the wrong lift, which I didn't even realise you'd be able to do, and I got stuck for an hour going down a different path of the game that I wasn't supposed to do yet. Right. So I had to go back all the way after I looked it up and go back oh, in the no, lift. Um, not for me. Annoying. But it's really fun. If you want to play a classic that's been remastered and, and they've done it really well. Uh, it's out now on all platforms. It's only five quid as well. And so. it's got a fantastic name, Grim Fandango. Wow. Let's actually stay with the uh, the Grim Reaper and spookiness okay. in the game why? industry. Oh, uh, I know why. <laughs> <laughs> because... I, sorry, I wrote this. Yeah, oh. I remember now. Come on, Chris. What is it about games that means when you see some characters, you think, oh, that's a scary one. Like in Little Nightmares, when the oh. the, the face of... The uh, not a zombie really. It's more like a a guy with like long arms and the eyes don't move and oh stuff. My goodness. H- how is it that that is scary? Like, what yeah. is the reason? What defines why? scary? That's, you said it better than I wrote it. There you are. You see. Well, Angela Timwell from the University of Bolton has been looking at something called the Uncanny Valley. Well, the idea of the uncanny was first introduced by Ernst Jensch in the early 20th century. And he described the uncanny as an eerie sensation when you can't distinguish between what's alive or dead, what may be real or unreal. Mm. For example, of a tall waxwork doll, a crafted child's toy or automator. And building on this, Freud actually described the uncanny as an eerie sensation or what might be unfamiliar when we see an object. And it actually reminds us of 
our own death or what might be repressed in ourselves or in others. Now, Mori, a, a Japanese roboticist in the late 1970s, he took this idea forward because he observed with regards to robot design, engineers were including mechanical robots in the workplace, but people were developing more and more lifelike androids with synthetic skin, hair and flesh over the mechanical parts. But rather than having an increased affinity or likability towards these new android designs, people actually suddenly took an instant dislike or repulsion <laughs> towards them and he actually coined this theory the uncanny valley because we actually had a, a, a linear ascent with regards increased human likeness and perceived familiar, familiarity or likability for example with a robot toy that emotes like a human that may have eyes and a smile and, and, and torso and limbs but as soon as we approach android designs pushing the boundaries of true of near human likeness we take this sudden aversion towards them and more place things such as corpses zombies prosthetic hands in this the nadir of this uncanny valley with a human safely on the other side so interesting isn't it and you've already already explained my fear of dolls and wooden toys and things like that but i want to ask you so you mentioned video games and zombies is something that's so hugely included in video games nowadays and and i suppose a kind of scary horror games what is it about the the face specifically that people start to feel uneasy about because it can i suppose is it the eyes mostly that that cause the, the the emotion comes from the eyes it actually comes down to the best way to describe it is Frankenstein's monster, where we perceive a lack of movement in the brows, the forehead, and distinctly around the eyes and the upper facial region. And that's important because we really do read a lot of non-verbal communication from another person's face because the mouth uh-huh. might be involved in speech and we rely on the upper face to give us an idea of what someone's feeling, thinking, and how they may respond to occurrences that are happening around them. And without this non-verbal feedback in the upper face, we might perceive that the lights are on, but no one's actually home in that character. So (laughs) we can't perceive or predict what they're going to be doing and when, and that makes us really uncomfortable. Well, I want to to come on to how that might actually be useful for certain types of video games. But just before that, I've been playing um, one of the biggest releases today, Cyberpunk 2077, one of the biggest releases of the year, The the Last of Us Part 2 as well. They are games which have very good uh, facial capture and motion capture. Is that is that one way that these huge companies are actually trying to, to tackle this problem? Absolutely. We've got more and more sophisticated, high-density facial motion capture techniques that are being introduced to the game's animation, particularly with pre-rendered video footage that's played in games and even in real-time footage, the facial expression and emotive qualities of characters is improving. And you mentioned Cyberpunk 2077. Mm. That has received a lot of criticism in the last few days. I would say that there are a few small triumphs in the actual game in that, for example, Claire, a character who plays a bartender, the upper facial expression actually matches the emotive tones of her speech and you can see that there's a lot of theory and conceptual thinking going on by the way the, the her brow creases and you have oh. these emblems 
in her brows moving up and down that matches the tonation of her speech. The lip synchronization is very good for that character and she really draws you in and is very engaging. So I would say that, that the Claire the bartender is particularly successful with regards to facial expression in that game. The way it, um, that these motion captures and faces and, and the fact that sometimes they can look a bit unusual is actually something that can feed in very well to horror games. Uh, one that my wife has been enjoying loads recently is something called Little Nightmares, where you're a little uh, kid running around, essentially, and there's these evil creatures. And as you look at their faces, they, they sort of don't move, and they look at, almost like jagged, and the mouth will move, but the eyes will stay stationary. I imagine that actually, in this instance, game designers will be tapping into this uncanny valley and, and using it to their advantage. Absolutely. If a face is inanimate or it has aberrant facial expression, we may be reminded of death, which of course gives us quite uncomfortable feelings. If a game designer wanted to exaggerate the uncanny in a zombie type character, then based on the empirical experiments that I've done, I would definitely say reduce movement in the upper face, including the eyes, mm. the eyebrows and the forehead, so that the character may have a Botox-like effect. A grey or dull colour skin tone also would increase how antipathetic the character may seem. And also with regards to lip movement and speech, a, a distinct lack of um, synchrony between lip movement and speech does exaggerate the, can the uncanny, particularly if the speech is played before we see lip movement. That's amazing. Mm. Angela Tinwell, thanks so much. Now we know what actually makes games scary. I think also it's useful for you to now you're armed with that knowledge. No, that, I'm still scared. I'm no, still but now, scared. But when you're playing Little Nightmares 2, when it's coming out next month, you will now think, ah, oh, but the, the game developers are trying to manipulate me here by deliberately making the characters teleport around. What's the one thing that's scary about a character for you? I don't like the movement, the jerky... The, like you, like in the ring when she goes like this. Or the te slight teleporting and when something comes up on you quicker than is human. Like the zombies possible. when they go really fast. Yeah, the, the zombies are okay because they sort of move in a human-ish way-ish. They, you know, they, they stumble around and stuff. But it's like when something teleports closer to you suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. I find that terrifying. In Doctor Who something. Yes, exactly yeah. like the angels in Doctor yeah. Who. Exactly oh, that. Exactly. No. Oh, no. Uh, we'll see how scared Lee is next month with our review of Little Nightmares 2 as well. This is the Naked Gaming Podcast. There's Lee Milner. Hello. This is Chris Barrow. Hello. Our reporter, Alex Rhodes, by the way. Yeah. Right? He's, Legend. He's gone viral recently. I know. He did a video. That Our got little Alex. Half a million views. Love him to bits. And more now, more It's now. so funny though, isn't it? Well, it's really good. So he did a special news bulletin for pets. Uh, here's a bit of it, just so you get the idea of what's going on. At five minutes past walkies, I'm Alex Rhodes. Our top story this morning, owners are continuing to stay home in what's being called a golden age for pets. Pet scientists are baffled that the humans are now spending up to 12 hours a day in the house doing DIY, wandering around aimlessly and drinking that strange water that makes them fall over. Let's go live to our correspondent who's got more on this. Bounce reporting for us there. Not everyone in the pet world is happy about it. This pet, who doesn't want to be identified, told us enough was enough. Humans have to leave us all alone. We've digitally altered her voice to keep her species anonymous. Oh, apologies for the strong language there. 
Isn't that amazing? It is good. But you know what it also shows, Chris? What? It shows that he's not dedicated <laughs> to this podcast. <laughs> Chris, Alex, look, I'm going through all that. It's all you've got children. You go, Alex, Chris, Bailey, Bailey I'm coming for you. What? Because he's, moon- he's moonlighting. Naughty, naughty Alex. Here he is. Hello, Chris and Lee. As you've no doubt alluded to in your introduction, I am a huge, massive celebrity now. Um, I'm basically a social media influencer after <laughs> a stupid video I did, did all right on Twitter. Uh, so it was all about pet news and a news bulletin for pets, because when I'm not doing this for you, uh, I'm a newsreader. Um, so I thought, let's stick with that vein. You know, let's cash in on my, my gimmick now. Uh, so I've downloaded a game called Dog Simulator Dash Puppies. I booted it up. You can hear the music in the background. Take a listen. Let's see what animals I've got. I'm going to pick Shadow. I think Shadow's the only one I can play with to begin with. Shadow is supposed to be a husky puppy. Looks a bit like a badger, to be honest. Now there's a game, Badger Simulator. Give a cow TB and can get shot by a farmer. But um, let's let's play. Single player or multiplayer or survival. Let's go in survival mode. This sounds dark. Is this like Dogfighter Simulator? Blood just trickled over the screen, but it's an advert for like a, a horror-themed crossword puzzle. I thought, blah, my neck, I've, I've discovered a dark dogfighting mode on this, but no, let's just skip that. Okay, so hide from mum and dad. I've sort of got a little directional D-pad on my screen. Whoa, my jump is like, I could spring like 15 feet into the air. Oh, there's a person. There's a person that's come in. All right, I'm going to run around here. Oh, so I've got three minutes to hide. This is survival mode. Okay, I'm going to hide behind this plant. I don't know what the humans are going to do to me when they find me. There's diamonds and gold coins around for some reason. I think I belong to maybe like Paris Hilton or something and that's why they're everywhere. Kim Kardashian. I've got 35 seconds left to survive. I'm just going to smash this laptop over first. There we go. And all the crockery. Smash through the wine bottles there. You're sort of uh, playing as a very um, destructive puppy, shall we say. But then again, if you've ever had a dog, especially a husky, you'll know that's not too far off. There we go. I completed the survival mission. I didn't get skinned or turned into a pair of slippers. This is an advert for some kind of fish game. Skip. Yeah, it's not bad, this game. It's not the most offensive game I've ever played on the App Store. I've played so many games now on the App Store that I feel like I've got PTSD from it. I mean, there is some absolute dross on here. This is kind of, you know, low effort in the way that they all are and will only really keep you occupied for 10 minutes or so. But my test on the App Store is always, will it keep your, you know, younger brother or little cousin entertained? You know, can it keep them off your back for 15 minutes? This game probably can. I would give it a go, uh, and that comes from me, an expert on pets now, a genuine pet influencer and mega celebrity, uh, beloved, the internet over. I tell you what, he's getting some sass, isn't he? The pet whisperer, Alex Rhodes there. So, we're currently watching all the Harry Potter films again, cause lockdown, innit, you know? You know what, We, we found out that I hadn't seen one of them. You hadn't seen Harry Potter 4, the, no. go- the Goblet of Fire, which is one of the better ones. It's all right, isn't it? Although it's got, um, well, not Moonlight, what's it called? Wolf Guy, you Wolf, know. Wolf, yeah. Um, no, but what's it called? Twilight. 
Not oh, moonlight. Twilight. Confuse me with yeah. Alex moonlighting. His forehead doesn't move either. <laughs> Maybe that's why he's so scary. The algorithm for scary must also be boring, though, as well, at the same he's a, time. He's just a bad actor, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, so I decided to get you to do our simulator of the month this month. And what? Guess, guess what you're doing? You're doing Wizard Race 3D. Why can't you give this to Alex? Because he's a big superstar Wait. now. <laughs> you're a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Alex. That was quite good, wasn't right, it? Play your game. All right, so basically we start on a, on a broom. The wizard is pretty basic, let's just put it that way. Harsh. So uh, I'm just going to... How are you supposed to know which way to go? I don't know where I'm flying to. There's just sky and green a green mass below me. So it looks a little bit like the Quidditch... Uh, woo! Oh, I've broken the game! <laughs> oh, it's having a bit of a nightmare. If you crash into the wall, it kind of just... It can't take it. So I'm basically flying, moving my wizard. Woo! Moving my wizard with my finger. That's a bit of a weird thing to say, isn't it? Um, and I'm, I'm flying him through the hoops. Oh, I see. Uh, you're flying in a very exotic place. It's like the Caribbean, perhaps the Maldives. Who knows? It is a uh, lockdown. He shouldn't be doing this unless it's for work purposes. Anyway, sorry, I digress. So you've got to fly through these hoops... Oh, Chris is pointing to me. I fly through the hoop that's flashing. All oh, right. Yeah. There's lots of hoops. Mm, this is my review, not your review. Sorry, carry on. Okay. Um, so as you fly through the rings, the ones that are kind of flashing, it does help you direct it a little bit better. It's really boring, though. Like most games Chris gives me. Oh, that's it. And that's level completed. So basically, if you want the ultra-cheap version of the Harry Potter game... And you want to see what it's like to fly a broom in the Caribbean? Get this game. Wizard Race 3D. There we go. Glorious. Don't ever do that to me again. Thank you, Lee Milner. Next up, Adam Murphy from The Naked Scientists, uh, actually who co-hosted a show about gaming with me on um, Five Live the other day. It was amazing. He has been checking out sound in video games. Games aren't just pushing buttons. The music in a game can be vital for setting the mood. You know you're walking into a boss fight when the music gets uncomfortably intense. The problem is though, at any given time the player could be doing anything. Walking in the right direction, enjoying the scenery, leaving their character motionless while they get a cup of tea. So how do you get the music right? I spoke to Paul Weir, video game music composer from Earcom and audio chief for the game No Man's Sky, about how you make music for a video game. I guess as a composer, you know, I'm trying to find those key moments and the overall tone. You know, the difference with film is, is all those moments in film are engineered for you, they're laid out for you. You can't really often do that in games. So you're looking for just those key moments where you can inject a certain, certain feel, a certain type of emotion. And often they may be, may be very specific. It may be like in No Man's Sky, the first time you leave a planet after building your spaceship so it's just allowing the game to breathe and injecting those moments with a certain key emotion no man's sky is a procedurally generated game and that means as you rocket around space in your ship the game builds the galaxy as you go using some random number generators and some very sophisticated algorithms but that means no two players will see the same planets or have exactly the same experience So how do you match music for a game that everyone experiences differently? And you don't play easy listening jazz during a big fight? 
Well, you use something called generative music. Generative music, I mean it to be that you use rules, and so probabilistic rules, that are imposed on small granular elements of music. So it may be a simple phrase. It may be a bar loop. Or like a bass phrase. You're deconstructing the music into its components and then reconstructing it live based on certain rules that you've created. So it may be play a melody at every X number of seconds from a pool of, say, 200 melodies. So it really requires you as a composer to work in a different way, to work in a much more kind of modular, non-linear way. It's like a recipe. You're creating all, all the components, putting in all the ingredients, but instead of baking it before the game, you're letting the game create it for you. And then often drawing information from the game in order to control what plays, how it plays, what the combinations are, when the changes happen. And that can be very powerful because you're reacting to what the player is doing or what the game environment uh, is doing. So it feels much more reactive to the player. What gives it an impact, though? How do you create emotion ahead of time with just the pieces of music? It's hard to create those engineered emotional moments. So what you need to do is create the opportunity for those moments to happen without necessarily hardwiring them. In No Man's Sky, you may happen to be on a planet that generates beautiful sunsets, and you may happen to be there at the right time on a mountain to see that sunset. And to you, that feels very personal. It's somehow it connects with you because you're the only person to have ever seen that sunset on that planet. And the music is the same. Maybe 80% of the time, it just exists, and it's supporting the game. It's fine. It's not doing anything particularly spectacular. But there are those, like few moments where everything comes together and it's random but we've allowed those random opportunities to happen and when they do happen they're very powerful and if everyone plays for long enough they'll run into one of those moments so that's the beauty of of a procedural game everyone does have those moments and has those stories to tell and their stories are very individual and that's i think that's one of the really powerful things about procedural games you know everyone's experience is slightly different Everyone tends to be very proud of those moments that they find their game capture them. Whereas a game which is much more linear, you know, everyone's experience is essentially the same. It doesn't mean it's any, any less fun, but it's a different kind of personal experience. That's Adam talking to Paul Weir. Thanks for joining us, Adam and Paul. And there's a special edition of Five Live Science, which I did with Adam, and you can download it now, actually, in a podcast version from Five Live, uh, all about the science of gaming. And there's a link on our Twitter page, at Naked Gaming Pod. Now, this is quite a sad story, really, Mm. in a way. Mm. It's about a 25-year-old... Called Zuma. Called Zuma, which is a great name, by the way. Um, Especially in this age of Zoom. And he's actually had to retire at the young age of 25 from his gaming career because of a thumb injury. Now, you know more about this, don't you, Chris? It sounds a bit silly, doesn't it, that a thumb injury could take you out from playing computer games. But actually, it's quite an interesting story. And this guy's had a really interesting career. I actually spoke about this to BBC Berkshire earlier on this week. So check out, this is a kind of explainer of what's going on. 
injuries uh, playing games. Actually, yeah. when you think about it, you know, a lot of people using computers on a regular place, uh, basis get RSI. Mm. So I suppose it is an occupational hazard. Imagine playing um, computer games with a controller for eight hours a day. So it's not just like sitting at a desk, you can have a little screen break. These elite athletes, and they really are elite athletes, have been training on a computer, sitting there on a video game console for eight hours a day. Now, uh, imagine the strain on your thumbs, particularly, because this uh, Zuma, Thomas Zuma Paparato, he's a controller player, and he plays one of the biggest games of all time, Call of Duty, which is a first-person shooter. And how that works is you're in a team of people, let's say, I don't know, six people in some competitions. You're going head-to-head with other uh, other teams, and you need to have the reactions of a cat. You need to be able to move out the way, dodge, run, you know, snipe people from a distance. It's all about having extremely quick reactions. Now, he's a very uh, elite player. He's been training for eight years, which is actually quite a long time. Um, and this thumb injury is exactly as you might expect. It's a repetitive strain injury that he's had for, for many years, actually. He's even had surgery on his thumb in order to actually get himself back to the top level of competition. So I think he struggled back and came back to kind of uh, approaching the top of his game. But this problem just simply hasn't gone away. So sadly today, as you say, 25 years old, he's retiring from professional gaming. That's incredible, isn't it? And, and eight years is that, that sort of level. Uh, is that a long mm. career in gaming? Well, it's interesting that you said he's retired at the age of 25. Actually, a long career for a professional elite gamer is three, four or five years at the absolute maximum. So he would have been playing at the very top level for probably four or five years, but just becoming interested in gaming professionally for the years before that. So actually, it is quite a long career for a professional gamer. What they tend to do once they retire from the competitive scene is to go into things like commentary on games, much like professional footballers. And I suppose the best analogy, I was trying to think of the best way to to explain this. Uh, You'll probably remember when Wayne Rooney injured his metatarsal. Yes. um, And and the country was, you know, learning about this tiny little bone in your foot and how how can it make such a big difference? But, But that was causing Wayne Rooney so much pain. Imagine that, but just in your thumb, and that is the thing that you're using to, to earn your money on a, on a controller. So it is really uh, exactly parallel to that. Uh, and you mentioned money there, so lots of money to be mm. made? Lots of money to be made. And actually, interestingly, it's not really competitions that make you the money. Yes, the prize money can be in the hundreds of thousands of pounds, but it's actually the sponsorship that you get from streaming your your games every single day you know um zuma plays for a team called the new york subliners so he's based in new york he's got italian heritage he'll make perhaps 20 30 thousand pounds on on a good year from prize money but the sponsorship deals you know people will sponsor his chair that he sits on they'll sponsor the headset that he's wearing they'll you know they'll pay him to eat certain types of crisps on his channel it really is that kind of thing um, and you can be making hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds from from the sponsorship. So that's the huge thing. It'll be interesting if he can maintain that level of sponsorship now that he's not in the competitive scene as much. But on the other hand, everybody's talking about this today. So we've all heard of Zuma now. Yes, we certainly have. Because uh, I was about to say, just as a final question, who's watching it? Obviously, an awful lot of people. <laughs> Yeah, you would be surprised, and and I was surprised. Uh, It's millions and millions and millions of people around the world. He's in New York, as I say, he plays for this uh, team, uh, the New York Subliners. So you've got all of America, you've got uh, countries like 
uh, Korea, which is huge into to watching esports. In the UK, you know, in, in all sorts of games, Call of Duty, you could easily expect hundreds and hundreds of thousands of viewers. That's why there's such big money, and, and that's why this is something that really matters to gamers, because it's one of the first big retirements that we've heard of from, from an actual gaming injury. I liked your analogy there. What's, of, which um, one? Of, the, of Wayne Rooney. Oh, the foot, the yeah, metatarsal. Yeah, it's quite a good way of explaining yeah. it, actually. It is like that, isn't it? Busy night, but there's always room for another. Now it's time to find out who's getting our copy of Immortals Phoenix Rising. Oh, yeah, it's actually unopened. Um, nope, brand, brand new. Mint condition. Um, I would ask you to do a drum roll, but the way that everything is perched like, so precariously. Wait. Oh, no. Right, that's a one-handed drum Sorry. roll. Sorry. And the winner is... Stop drum rolling. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The Come winner on. is Priscilla. Priscilla, woo! Well done. Or on Twitter, she's also known as at Lisa Priscilla H. So we are literally getting this ready for you right now. We'll Hope your boyfriend off. enjoys it, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we'll send that off. Now, next month, this is our biggest, oh our biggest giveaway. It's so big that Can it's actually... Can we not keep it? It's so good. No, it's Aww. in the cupboard though, so I can't get it out. But we we did a whole video review of it. No, I have to go you get it. You're going to get it out, yeah. right? So at least back now from upstairs. Uh, this month we are giving away. This is huge, by the way. I mean, it's actually literally huge and also a huge giveaway. <gasps> Mario. It's Mario Kart Live Home Circuit, <laughs> and this is the one with Mario in the box. Uh, you'll need a Nintendo Switch to play it. Uh, but the actual game is free, so you can download that. And we did a video review, which you must check out as well. Now, for this one, because it's a huge prize, mm. what you're going to have to do is find our tweet online at Naked Gaming Pod and give it a little retweet. Mm-hmm. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. And also, because it's £100 worth of stuff here, uh, send us a screenshot of you having subscribed to the podcast on either Spotify, iTunes, uh, Stitcher, anywhere that you listen to the podcast, just send us that screenshot that says subscribed and you'll be entered in the competition. We'll reveal the winner on February the 21st, next month. And this is the very uh, Mario Kart Live home circuit, which we used in our demo. Yes. So it has the Mario look. If I turn it round, it has uh, the Mario uh, little racer involved as well. Um, it'll obviously connect to your nin- Nintendo Switch, so make sure that you do have a Nintendo Switch, otherwise yes. you can't use it. Uh, but it's a fantastic game, so get retweeting and subscribe. That's it. We're out of podcasts. Oh! But I just want to remind you that there's an- another episode coming in the next few weeks about chess, a longer interview with Natasha Regan, who's the uh, Women International Master of Chess, who's played for England. Uh, so look out for that in the next week or two. It will be there for you. And we're also going to do an education special soon and we'll be back on Feb the 21st for our next full episode. Can I just just quickly have a quick play of this before we have to let go of it? Okay, we better get on with it now because it takes a while to set up. All right. Just listen to this. Can you hear that? How could it not be? It's been picked up by three microphones in surround sound. This is what we have to cope with every single day. Bailey's just having a drink. Don't worry, Bailey. Time's money. Time's money. 
if you're a rabbit company and you'd like to sponsor the podcast with rabbit food. Oh my god. He's got okay. What about the fiasco with the food? Should I put this at the end of the podcast yeah, as a bonus information. Bonus information if you really want to know about Bailey's food. Bailey the bunny, uh, his food is not available now um in a massive 10 kilogram bag, which is what I've been buying. Uh, Although if you do have any big bags of Nature's Feast, we'd yeah, love it. Other other rabbit foods are available, but he really likes Nature's Feast. So I've had to buy a new different type of rabbit food called Optimum something or other. Mm. Um, and he had it on the first day and he... Oof. He's really fussy, by the way. He turned his back on it. He's really fussy, isn't he? He sat looking at the wall and I thought, oh, this ain't, this ain't going to go well. And then he thought, oh, it's either that or the hay. Well, he's now... So he, I'm going to have to eat it. And he munches all my poop. Now. Not my poop, his poop. Rabbits eat their own poo, if you don't know that, by the way. (laughs) People don't know that. I didn't know that until I knew you had a rabbit. He just sits there. Are we done yet? Oh, my goodness. I'll just... uh... We're just going to have to crack on, because otherwise we're going to do it. I can't do it. I can't work under these conditions.